threads. And so it's very important that we know what our true identity is in Christ. Ken Boas said something along this line. He said, it's very difficult for us to behave consistently different than that which we believe about ourselves. I want you to think about that. Just for a second, a focal passage for us has been out of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. And this is what Peter had to say. He said, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. What if we truly believe without hesitation what God has to say about us? What if we believed and held on to what Jesus had to say in reference to who we are? Um, You've heard me maybe talk about this before in reference to traveling. Uh, There are times when I'm traveling and I'll meet people and we'll get into these conversations and the question will come up, well, what do you do for a living? Now, let me say this. You can be a landscaper, you can be a teacher, you can be an undertaker, I don't care what you are, but the conversation can go on somewhat at ease. But just mention the word pastor. And it's amazing how the conversations have a way of changing with people. The things that are said, the things that they want to talk about. And I have that happen on all the time. Sometimes I'll, I'll respond by saying, well, you know, I work, for, I work with people for a living. Well, what, what, do you, what do you do with people? Well, I work with people. What, what do you do with people? And I'll say, well, you know what? That's, a, that's, a, uh, um, that's classified information. <laughs> and if I tell you, <clears throat> it may not be good for you down the line. So I would rather not tell you that information at this moment. Um, so you're a pastor. Oh, so you're a pastor. You know what? I want you to understand today that you have that same role. A pastor, maybe not so much, but a priest. Yes, you've got that. It's funny and we laugh, but you got that title as priest as well. Because this is what Peter had to say. And he was reminding those that he was speaking to of the important role that they had and the privilege of being identified not only as God's child but as a priest. And look at what he he had to say. He says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest. Now, this was in line with a promise that God had given Moses years before on Mount Sinai back in the Old Testament when in Exodus chapter 19, this is what God told Moses there in the beginning at verse 5. He said, now if you will obey me and keep my commandments. You will be my own special treasures from among all the peoples of the earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation, and this message you must give to the people of Israel. And, and God didn't choose Israel because of their size because of their power, because of their might, because of anything that they had done. And it wasn't because they were better than anybody else. But God chose the people of Israel out of his mercy and his love. Just like those of you that have chosen today to follow Jesus. You're part of that family. He chose the Israelites to represent him, to teach his word, to be his ambassadors and his lights to the world. Do you ever see yourself as that as you go about your day? I mean, when you're in the midst of that, that heated conversation, do you see yourself as a representative of God? When you're in the workplace, do you see yourself as a representative of God? When you're in the home, do you see yourself as an ambassador of Christ? 
And here it is, Peter, reminding us, not only are you a child of the king, but you're a priest, a royal priest. And under the direction of the Holy Spirit to the believers that were struggling in the midst of their present circumstances, struggling with the persecution and displacement, he's reminding them, you are different. You're different. And when you walk out these doors, you should recognize that you, we, are different. We're different. To understand the significance of, of priesthood and what it meant, I wanted to, to, be able to, be able to, to be able to go back and look at what some of the history was behind the priesthood. Because being the priest was a position, a position, but it was also a privilege. The high priest was the most important religious leader during that time to the Israelites. To hold the office of high priest was hereditary. It was based on their heritage, and it was also traced back um, to the line of Aaron, who was the first priest. Aaron was the brother of Moses. Maybe you remember that. It was a part of the Levite tribe. The high priest had to be whole physically, but also um, he had to be holy in his conduct. And the priests were responsible for carrying out the offerings and the sacrifices of the tabernacle and the temple. Now, in Exodus chapter 25, we find that the tabernacle of Moses was this temporary place. The tabernacle was a, a word that we, that's translated in the Hebrew, mishkan, and it means dwelling place, and that's where they would go to worship God there. Um, I think that in your handout that you guys have a, um, you have a diagram of the temple. I want to walk through some of that because some of it's very significant. And I'm going to say some things at the beginning, and I'm going to sort of bring it around at the end. But don't get lost in the details today because it would be very easy for that to happen. So inside this tabernacle or in the, in the uh, temple, there was a veil that separated the Holy of, holy of Holies and the, and the holy place. There was, a, there was a veil. The most holy place would have been the place where every person who worshiped God would have wanted to go, but only the high priest would have been able to have gone there. He would have been the only one that had been invited and nobody else. And let's read what the scriptures had to say in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. I think you've got a copy of God's word. I want you to open that up, and I want you to read this with me this morning. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Listen to what the scripture has to say. Now, the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up, a place a place to worship God was set up, and in its first room, there was a lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. This was the first room. Behind the second curtain was a room that was called the most holy place, or the holy of holies, which had the golden altar of incense and the golden covered ark of the covenant. The ark covered the gold jar of, um, contained the gold jar of manna, it contained Aaron's staff that had, that had budded and stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail right now. And look at what he says in verse 6. When everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly into the outer room. There was the outer room and the inner room. The outer room would have been the holy place. The inner room would have been the most holy place. So regularly, it says, they entered into the outer room to carry out their ministry, to carry out the offerings and the sacrifices to God. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never 
without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people that had committed in ignorance. If you want to look up more on that, you can go back to chapters 23 through 31 in the book of Exodus. So you've got an outer courtyard where an altar where priests had made sacrifices in the bronze basin called a laver, a laver, in which they would wash their hands of the blood in which after they had, after they had sacrificed the animals. And when God had instructed them to build the tabernacle, again, there were, two, there were two places. There was the outer and there was the inner. There was the holy place and the most holy place. The holy place is the place, the place that the priest would go and they would conduct their rituals to honor God. I want you to think about, remember a few weeks ago I, I shared with you an, uh, an experience that I had of being with, with an Indian priest and some of the rituals and things that were taking place at that moment in time and what they did and all the little details that they put into that. I want you to think about that and all the, the instructions that they had been given to follow, all the laws and all the rules. And so here they are going in to make sacrifice on behalf of the people to offer offerings. The holy place the most holy place was the presence that God resided and as I said earlier the high priest was the only one that had the privilege of going in on the day of atonement to offer sacrifices for the sins of the people as well as themselves all priests this is a really important point all priests were Levites but not all Levites were priests because they had to be of the lineage of Aaron who was a Levite the Levites were part of the tribe of Levi, but they were not all priests, and they had the responsibilities and duties of carried, that needed to be carried out in the, in the tabernacle, uh, the regular duties, things that maybe it was cleanup, maybe it was furnishings, whatever it was. The priests who were among the Levites, who were the descendants of Aaron, they were the ones that had the responsibility of carrying out the offerings and the sacrifices. They were the ones that represented God to the people. They were the go-between. They represented the whole nation of Israel before God. Before the high priest entered the most holy place on the Day of Atonement, which is some people call the Good Friday of the Old Testament, what happened on Good Friday? Jesus was what? Crucified. What was it that took place on the Day of Atonement? There, were, there was a blood sacrifice that took place where he went before and he offered it on behalf of the people. Sacrificial blood for the atonement of sins. Before entering into that holy place, there's, um, there's stories about the, the attire that the priest had to wear. There are some traditional stories, we don't find it in Scripture, of a rope being tied to the, to the ankle of the priest that when he went in, if they, they stopped hearing the bells, that they knew that something wasn't right and that he was dead and so they could pull him out. Now, I can't find, all we know is that that's tradition. It sounds logical, doesn't it? But then the other side of that says, listen, if God would have wanted that to take place, he would have put it in the scripture because he was very specific about what took place there inside of the temple. I don't know. We just know it's by tradition is what we're told. But all of the details and processes that we've talked about, all the things that, that took place in getting ready for these sacrifices and all the little stuff just makes God seem so distant, so far away, and so cold. Do you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes it makes religion and God seem so, so far away. But that was before Jesus. That was before Jesus. 
but it was part also of God's unfolding plan. The veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place, that veil represented the, the separation that took place between God and man because of sin. And one of the items inside of the most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant. Maybe you've watched um, Indiana Jones. But also, uh, very significant of the things that were inside of that Ark of the Covenant. Here's three things. A golden pot of manna that represented uh, man's wandering in the wilderness and God's provision for them. And then there was Aaron's rod. The people had grumbled. Can you imagine the people grumbling and complaining about what was going on and who was in charge? And so God goes to Moses and he said, listen, I've heard enough of this foolishness. I want you to take a rod from each one of the tribes, from the leader, and what I want you to do is I want you to gather them up. And for the one that's Levi, I want you to put Aaron's, I want you to put their names, and I want you to put Aaron's name on the, on the one that, that's, that came from the rod from the tribe of, of Levi. And then what I want you to do is I want you to bring them to the tent, the tent of meeting. And the, and the next day when they, when they came, this is what they found. It says, the next day when Moses came back, Aaron's rod had not only budded, but it had sprouted, it had flowered, and it produced almonds. And it was a sign that God was with Aaron and a reminder to the people to be quiet. God's in control. He knew exactly what was going on. And God would put Aaron in charge of taking care of all the offerings and the sacrifices. So you've got the golden pot of manna that represented God's provision. You've got the, the uh, rod of Aaron, which, which was a semblance that God knows exactly what's going on. And then there was in, also inside of the Ark of the Covenant, what? The Ten Commandments. It was, it was God's way of his instructions on how to live and interact with God as well as each other. And then on top of this, this uh, Ark was, was what was called the Mercy Seat or the atonement cover. And this is what it says in Exodus chapter 25. Read this with me. Place inside the ark the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant which I will give you. Then put the atonement cover, the mercy seat, on top of the ark that covers it up. And he said, and I will meet with you there and I will talk to you from above the atonement cover between the gold cherubim that hover above the Ark of the Covenant. And there I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. One of the things that the high priest did every year when he entered in to the Holy of Holies was he sprinkled the blood. He sprinkled the blood on top of the mercy seat or atop of the atonement cover for his sins as well as the sins of the people. And during that time, the people worship God from a distance. It's like, going, it's like going to the Daytona 500 today and sitting way, 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 way up in the top. I'd gone to a concert not long ago with Meredith, and Meredith said at the end, she goes, I think my mom and dad are here someplace. And she said, there they are. About 20 minutes later, trying to get to them, sitting way up in the nosebleed section. I thought, my goodness gracious, a lie. There was no Megatrons back then, no TVs, no live Facebook, but they worshiped God from a distance. They were outsiders. They felt maybe like outsiders. The priests were the only ones with the backstage passes. They were the only ones that had the high priest with the, with the front row seats. They would have had the best seats in the house. And here is Peter, 
saying to those that he's speaking to at that time, listen to me, you are a royal priest. Don't get lost in the details of what's taking place. The size of the temple, the size of the tabernacle, the items that were in the tabernacle, what had to take place. Don't get caught up in all of that. But understand the significance, the significance that you, what he was saying to those that he was writing, you are a royal priest. And what Peter would have said would have caught their attention. It would have raised their eyebrows as they paid attention to what was going on and what was being said. A royal priest? Me? You gotta be, you gotta be kidding me. And he was saying, you guys are special with a special heritage and special privileges. The writer in Hebrews would emphasize that, the special privileges as believers in Hebrews chapter 10. This is what he says. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter most, the heaven's most holy place because of what? Because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new life a new life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since, it says there in verse 21, and since we have a great high priest who is Jesus, who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God. No waiting, no standing in line, no watching at a distance, but he said, let's go right into God's presence right into God's presence with sincere hearts fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Jesus' sacrifice and death removed the veil, removed the curtain that separated, so that all of us have the ability to go into God's presence any time that we want. Man, isn't that a privilege? No waiting, no sitting at a distance because we've been cleansed by the blood of Christ because Jesus changed everything. Thinking about this just for a second, during the, the days of the tabernacle and the temple, the regular sacrifices being offered for the sins of the people, the, uh, the day of atonement, the special things that took place, the high priest, all of these, and the sacrifice was to cover the sins that the people committed in ignorance or they didn't know about. And so here it is, that Day of Atonement. It was almost like uh, for the things that you had forgotten about or the things that you didn't know because there were so many things that they were guilty of and they maybe didn't even know it or were ignorant of it. It was almost like the time that my dad spanked me and, and, uh, and he found out that I didn't do it, Mike. And I looked at him and just as tearful and as I could and I said but dad don't you feel bad now that I didn't I, you found out I didn't do that and he said nope <laughs> and he said that's for the time I missed you <laughs> I got in trouble so many times when I was growing up don't boy if you only knew I had my own filing cabinet at school okay <laughs> It was Sydney's filing cabinet for doing it. I mean, it, it, was just, it was just stuff. I mean, it wasn't crazy stuff. It was just sort of stuff. But yeah, and that was like what the Day of Atonement was. It was like that day that, okay, well, I may have missed that, so just in case. 
the high priest would take the blood from the sacrifice with him into the most holy place and sprinkle it on the top of the lid of the Ark of the Covenant called the mercy seat. And the priest could not enter in the mercy into that most holy place without the blood sacrifice. And in Hebrews 9, 7, it says this, but only the high priest ever entered the most holy place and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins of the people that they had committed in ignorance. And you go, well, that's not, why, that's not really that. Why is all those details really important? Why does that really matter? I mean, was it really that big of a deal? And let me tell you what, if you would have talked to King Uzziah, you would have known it was a big, if you had the opportunity to sit down and to have this conversation with King Uzziah, by the time you were done, you would go, it's a big deal. Man, if God says it, you better do it. Because here's King Uzziah, a very popular king. He was a, he was a king that had amassed a great wealth. He had built a strong empire. He had lots of resources, and he was well, well liked by the people. But he became so popular that pride slipped in. And that pride ended up leading to his downfall. Some of the people around here in the woods might say this. They might say, Justin, he got too big for his britches. And so all of a sudden, here's King Uzziah thinking, man, you know, I can do anything I want to do. So he went into, into the temple, <laughs> into, the, into the place to burn incense at the altar of incense. And you're thinking, that's just not that big of a deal. But it was. It was. It was. And that was a place that daily they would go in to offer these these, these sacrifices and these offerings. And King Uzziah did something he wasn't supposed to do. And man, I love it what the scripture has to say in 2 Chronicles chapter 26 as it talks about that incident. He says, but when he had become so powerful, he also became very proud, which led to his downfall. And he sinned against the Lord and his God by entering the sanctuary of the Lord's temple and personally burning incense on the incense altar. Azariah, the high priest went in after him with 80 other priests of the Lord. Now, I love this. They were all brave men. Because you know why? They knew that there was something going on that wasn't right. And they didn't want to have anything to do with it. All brave men. They confronted King Uzziah and said, It's not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. They also were taking their life into their own hands, speaking to the king that way. He says, that is the work of the priest alone, the descendants of Aaron, who are set apart for the work. Get out of the sanctuary, for you've sinned. The Lord God will not honor you for this. Uzziah, you can imagine, he's probably sitting back and going, don't you tell me what to do. Uzziah was holding an incense burner and became furious. But as he was standing there raging at the priest before the incense altar, the Lord's temple, leprosy suddenly broke out on his forehead. When Azariah, the, the high priest, and all the other priests saw the leprosy, man, they rushed out. It said they rushed out, and the king himself was eager to get out because the Lord had struck him. So King Uzziah had leprosy until the day that he died. He lived in isolation in a separate house, for he was excluded from the temple of the Lord. His son Jotham was put in charge of the royal palace, and he governed the people of the land. The rest of the events of Uzziah's reign from beginning to end are recorded by the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. When Isaiah, Uzziah died, he was buried with his ancestors in his grave in a nearby burial field belonging to a king. For the people said he had leprosy, and his son Jotham became the next king. Regardless of his position, his earthly position, he 
was not qualified to go inside of the most holy place. But Jesus changed everything, didn't he? He changed everything. Emmanuel, meaning God with us, came to earth 2,000 years ago and willingly gave his life. No more God at a distance, but now God up front and personal. The scripture says, no one can take my own life from me. Jesus is saying this. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and take it up again. But this is what my Father has commanded me. Jesus placed himself on the cross not only for our sins that they could be forgiven once and for all not only for that but also so that we could have direct access to God Uzziah had no right to do what he did and he paid the price for his disobedience yeah leprosy separation and death but now because of Christ we have the privilege to meet with him privately anytime we want to because you are a royal priest the curtain that was in the temple before Jesus was a reminder that the presence of God was inaccessible to normal man the Bible tells us that Jesus died, and just as his body was torn, so was the veil. And in Matthew chapter 27, it says that the veil of the temple was torn from the top all the way to the bottom. And the earth shook, and the rock split, and what was unaccessible became accessible because Jesus changed everything. And listen, don't get caught up in the details and miss this, because this is really important. Here's Peter speaking to those from whom he was writing and saying, you're a child of God. You are priest with special privileges. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you have personal access 24-7. Because of Jesus and the sacrifice, you can go directly to God and meet with him anytime that you want to but just because we can meet with God anytime and any place doesn't remove the responsibility of gathering together sometimes we'll use that excuse you know I can meet with God in a in a deer stand or I can meet with I met with God out on the lake today or you know I, and I understand that but listen, it doesn't take away the responsibility or the privilege or the opportunity that we have to gather together as the body of Christ. I love it what Hebrews says a little bit later on in chapter 10, verse 25. And don't neglect our meeting together as some people are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another. Encourage one another. Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. How much time do you spend thinking about the fact that Jesus' return is near? Man, time is short. And how are we spending our time? What are we doing with the time that we, that we have? What have you done this past week recognizing that time is short? This building, man, it's, it's not sacred. It's a building. May it never become our focus. 
But may we come to recognize that we are a child of the king. And not only the child of the king, but we are a royal priest. And with that, we have not only the privilege, but we also have the responsibility. The privilege of meeting with God anytime, anywhere, any place. Why? Because of something that we've done? No, but because of the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ that was paid 2,000 years ago. And we don't have to go through all the rituals and all the, all the stuff to try to get to God. Man, Jesus cut it down the middle and said, no more. But we have direct access to the Father anytime, any place. But there's also not just the privilege, but there's also the responsibility. The responsibility of being a kingdom of priests that is sent out into the world to represent our Heavenly Father. To represent Him to a lost and dying world. That when they would see us, they would know there's something different about them. When Steve's at work, man, there's something different about Steve. When Jay's out and he's doing his stuff, there's something different about Jay. When Danny's at work, man, there's something different. And you guys are hanging out at the various parties and the various things that are taking our place around the villages or on the ball field. There's something different about them. When you're eating supper and you're tipping the, the waitress, man, there's something different about them. There's the privilege, but there's also the responsibility. Man, we live in a world of entertainment. Let's just come, let's come and let's go to church. But it's bigger than that, isn't it? And Peter says, I want you to know that you've got access to the Father 24-7. Vince, because of what Jesus did, not because of your ability to go to all these Bible studies and, and demonstrate your intelligence or your knowledge, But because of Jesus, you're a royal priest. You've been set apart. You're special. You're different. And that's who we should be as people of God. That's who we should be as a, as a family called Heritage. Different. Don't get lost in the details, but it's easy. But you're different. And here's Peter speaking it out, saying, you're different. Recognize your true identity and live it out. Don't you listen to the, to the voices over here that's lying to you and telling you you're not valuable, you're not worth anything. Live it out because you're special. You're a priest. And isn't that a great message? And even this morning as, as our overseers come and as Brian comes with the group, there's no greater day. It's an opportunity for us to, as we as we. As we come back to sing and to finish up our time together to say, wow, man, is there something I need to go before the Lord and confess today that I've been, I've been holding on to? Today, 24-7, you don't have to wait till you're in this place, but what, it's a great opportunity to do that. It's a great opportunity to recognize the privilege of coming before the Lord and confessing our sins and wanting to be His but also recognizing the privilege and the responsibility of being God's ambassador. Man, we wanted to be able to finish a little differently today. To be able to finish a little bit differently where we would 
we would just stand in this time and honor the Lord, recognizing that we have direct access to Him. Thanking God for Jesus Christ who died for our sins. And if you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, man, what better day than the day for you to be able to come and say, today, man, I want to give my life to Christ. To meet with one of these overseers that are standing here and saying, would you talk to me? Maybe you just need to come and maybe need to kneel or maybe there's something that's been on your heart and you need somebody to, just to sit down and talk to. And it's a great day to do that. But we wanted to end a little bit differently today, recognizing the privilege, but also the responsibility. Because when you walk out these doors, man, I don't want you to walk out the same, but I want you to walk out with a sense of urgency because Jesus is he's coming back. And every one of us in this room that call ourselves children of God, believers and followers of Jesus, that needs to be our, our mantra, our little, that's our purpose statement. Man, I'm out there in the world living as a priest. It's not just Sid or Brian or Melvin or the other guys. It's who I am. I'm not representing heritage, but I'm representing Jesus. Are we on the same page? So today as we close up this time of worship, and there's a time for you to respond. To come and pray, you can stay where you are. Maybe you need to make a decision for Christ, you come. Maybe you need somebody to pray with, you come. But what a blessing it is as we hear the words, you're a child of the king, a royal priest. Father, would you be with us at this time as we respond and as we sing and as we worship you, recognizing that we have access 24-7 to the King of Kings. In Jesus' name. Yeah.
Sunday morning to enter into a building to worship God or to go before him and to, and to declare your confessions of sin but also in addition to that that every day from here on out that you would recognize that you are a priest with the responsibility of being God's on the outside that you're to you're to teach the word you're to be God's mouthpiece to the people. You're to represent him. When you walk out these doors, man, it's, it's on. It's on. It's a challenge. Father, may we be reminded to listen to your voice, to understand and to recognize our true identity. That, Father, we do need you. Hear us today as we cry out. Father, make us very aware of our surroundings and the opportunities we have inside of this culture, inside of this community to be Jesus to the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Morning song Though darkness fills the night It cannot hide the light Who shall I Crush the enemy. What's that? Yeah, and my strap broke off. I was like trying to. You are my sword and shield. Yeah, it almost did. I'm surprised I didn't. Who shall? 